many, 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 many men. So we're talking about recognizing the day of your visitation. Because the earth receives visitation from God. He is still taking care of the affairs of the earth. He has not forgotten us. In fact, we are always on his mind. His creation is ever ever on his mind. He has good plans for us, each and every one of us. And as we step into the divine plan of God, <clears throat> we begin to understand that there are times where God uh, does show up and he brings what we talked about the last time. Uh, the, the word visitation really means divine oversight. And it also means an inspection for relief. So when an overseer, now for instance, uh, my my husband was a um, uh, um, manager uh, before he was in he he his last job was in uh, human resources, but before that he was a manager inside the work facility in the plant. He was a superintendent. He had been a foreman, a general foreman, the superintendent. And then he said he got tired of that, and so God moved him out <laughs> out to sit. You know, there's a lot of high pressure there because of the production. That's what they mean to produce. And so <clears throat> he uh, he said that when they had a protocol, when the superintendent came, that uh, he would let them know. You know, give them notice they had, you know, little pagers or something like that. And that the foreman, uh, general foreman was to meet them in a specific area and take them around. And what they would do would be to observe what was going on and then set in order uh, for maximum profit. You got me? So this is the thing, though. We have to keep in mind that oversight is not a bad thing I don't care who your overseer is so often we have allowed ourselves to get comfortable with lack of oversight so if you have been making parts say they've given you a job to do and you've been making parts and say the foreman never came and checked to see your parts and the general didn't come and check him and check that when the superintendent comes you're kind of nervous because nobody's ever told you if you're doing the job right or not and so many times also some people just don't want correction and that's a big problem and so many times people if, if nobody's ever observed your work before you're glad because you didn't want them to see it anyway you see Insecurity will always make us fearful of oversight and fearful of correction. Kind of like Mephibosheth. He didn't know if David was looking for him to bless him or kill him. His first thought was he's going to kill me when he shows up. And so as believers, we can get that way with God. We don't want to find out what God has to say about you know, we we just want him to give us stuff, but don't don't give me don't give me any conversation. You know, don't talk to me about how to get it. Just give it to me. If I measure up, give it to me. If I don't, just don't say anything. But I just want my stuff. I don't want any conversation. I don't want any correction. I don't want any relationship. 
Just get my stuff. Mm. Kind of like a bad marriage. You know, an insensitive boyfriend. You know, you never get flowers. You never get... But they shake hotel keys in your face. Grow up. Grow up. Grow up. Well, that's the way we treat God. I don't want to be corrected. I don't want you to be my daddy. Huh? Just send a child support check. Hello. So this is why we care less about visitation. To say nothing about him wanting to set up an abode in us. So, divine oversight is what we need. We need direction. We need correction. You've never passed this way before. How would you know what to do when you're doing something right? If it's right or wrong? You know, don't gauge your life with God by the fact that you can get a prayer answered. Or a blessing comes your way. You get a job or you get, you know, a paycheck. You know, these things are, these are just basic things. Sometimes we think we're riding high in God because we're living off yesterday's blessings. And when have you checked in with him? When have you really talked to him? When have you found out what he thinks about where you're going in life? And what you what does he want to do in your life? What does he want you to do for him? See, relationship stuff. Mm-hmm. So the day of the visitation is very important because there are some preliminaries for that. There's ways to receive the Lord. When I visit somebody, I like to feel that my visit is a blessing and I'm not putting people out. You got me? So... If if I invite people to my home, I have everything planned for them from A to Z. I don't just tell people come in and sit anywhere and they have to ask me for everything. See, it's a poor host. Or you don't make room for people. You know what I say when I make room? It's like if if you have somebody come stay overnight, have a... a a clean place for them. This, you put your coat here. You put this here. I cleared this drawer out. If you want have extra things, you can put it. You don't have to just live out of your little suitcase, even though it's for overnight. This is your toothbrush. This is where you, you know, did, did it, did it, did it, from A to Z. See, that makes people know that their comfort is important to you. Their well-being is important to you. And you know how to provide for somebody's comfort and well-being. People don't come to my house and crash. That's a street term for drug addicts. We're not druggies. 
You don't crash at my place. You, you, you're there to be taken care of. You're there to be cared for. God's people don't crash. You got me? Well, some of y'all don't like it. That's too bad. But this is, this is not hospitality. This is not, this is not kingdom life living or anything similar to it. So cut it out. Huh? Grow up and start being a hospitable person. What's wrong with hospitality? What's wrong with having some provision for people? You know, whatever's in this refrigerator, you can have it. That one out there has got a lot of stuff in it. We haven't looked in them containers in three months. You might not like what you find out there. So don't go out there. But, you know, when you get ready for breakfast, this is it. I'm going to sleep late. Don't disturb me. This is your breakfast. Anything you want, get out of here. Goodbye. And we're done with the hospitality. You got me? <laughs> But don't have people trying to figure out where to go, where to sit, where they belong. You know, have a place prepared. This is so basic. This is so basic. And it's the same thing in visitation of God. We have to prepare for that. We have to prepare so that God knows that we're expecting him. God knows that we have, he has free reign to do whatever he likes he can say whatever he likes he can stay as long as he wants everything is open for him so you prepare based on who your guest is so you make preparation for a certain guest based upon who that guest is there are some certain people when they come to my home I know they like certain things so I make sure that I have them there see this is not spoiling people you know you know how insecure people think everything is is unnecessary well if this is unnecessary what is necessary i mean what would you give somebody bare bones stuff that they want what would you prepare the answer is nothing Uh because they're too nervous to even extend themselves to people See, if you're afraid of being rejected or being criticized, you're not going to put yourself out for anybody. You're not going to extend yourself to anybody. You're just going to, you know, stay in your little shell or stay in your little world and never come out. So God wants his people, as children of the king, to understand how to extend yourself, how to prepare, how to anticipate. See, when we anticipate visitation from God, we'll never be disappointed. Huh? People now people disappoint you, you know, that don't don't let that how the receiver or how the, the guest responds, don't let that discourage you from doing the right thing in the preparation, you know. There's some people that just aren't secure in receiving. They don't know how to find the grace to receive. You know, they just Always thinking about, well, how do I look? I don't want to look stupid. It can barely get comfortable, you know, even though the host would try to make you as comfortable as possible. Some people have a real hard time just receiving. You know, just lock in and go along for the ride. You know, okay, God, you sent me here. I'm going to have as good a time as possible, so I'm just going to lock in and go on for the ride. And so some people have a hard time doing that. But little bit by little bit, oftentimes they learn. 
the first time I went and visited somebody who who was I would say upper middle class and had a really nice home I was nervous I didn't know what to do and that person was as kind and gracious as possible but I was still tense you know and so sometimes the host will notice that you're tense and they'll do things to kind of reassure you and put you at ease or you know laugh and oh you know that thing you know don't worry about that and you know all that kind of thing that's part of being uh, a host and, and inviting people in and so that's the thing that we have to remember in visitation with God, we want to make him feel as comfortable as possible. We want to give him as much freedom as as we need or as he needs to extend himself to us so that that visit will last. If you're a nervous host, you don't want your guests to stay very long. <laughs> Come on, God, get this over with and get to moving. Uh you want to disconnect as soon as possible because that 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 person is kind of making you feel a little on edge so it, it works both ways but we have to realize that when god comes with divine oversight it's always for our good it in in if he could stay longer it would get better you know you learn how to relax around a person you learn how to uh, feel comfortable you learn how to really get away from yourself get out of self some if we could get away from ourselves we could relax and enjoy life a whole lot more and so that's what you learn in 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 learning the hospitality art of hospitality thing and so these are the things that we have to remember about God all of our attitudes about how we feel when people visit us when we visit other people those things will come up because those things matter and those things will, will influence how you anticipate your visit from God will he leave a blessing that's what uh, many times we're not sure of or what's he going to say is he going to make me change what I do is he going to demand something different from me? Is he going? Am I going to be able to do it? Is it going to be too hard for me to do? Is it going to cramp my style? Am I going to have to stop saying certain things that I know are childish, or you know, am I going to have to start giving more? Am I going to have to start whatever stretching my faith more? Where is he going to send me? All those things pop into our thinking because we we do have concerns about them. But in the end, hopefully, we'll all just, you know, lay it down and say, okay, God, kill me if you have to, but I'm accepting this and I'm expecting that this will be a good thing when you show up and, and, uh, and help me. You know, I know it's for, for my help and for my good. It's an inspection, a very close inspection for my relief. It's divine oversight of my life so that only good will come out of this I guess that's the overriding thing if you can expect good to come from it all in all it's going to be good it's going to work out for our good many times if we're reluctant to receive hospitality it's because we don't give it. Mm-hmm.
because we don't give it. Some people are what, what they like to call themselves loners. There are no loners in this kingdom. First thing God will do is break you out of that. Uh, you know, he, he'll find a way to do it. He'll break you out of being that loner person because he wants you to... See, Christianity is about relating to people. And you can't be a loner and be successful in the Christian life. Because you have to learn how to relate to people. And so many times we'll be put in uncomfortable situations just so that we can relate to people. Know how to relate to people. I remember the first women's retreat I went to, I was in a cabin with about, I think, eight other women. And I thought to myself, I don't even know anybody here. I said, how did I sign up for this? You know, and... um the cabin was really the least expensive accommodation. And I was just thinking about it. I said, well, if that's, you know, that's the least money, I don't have to spend a bunch of money, you know, that kind of stuff. And so then, you know, you get into the, the, um, <laughs> the, the uh, what do you call it, status argument that uh, there were some women that wanted to stay two to a room. And, um, well, I am bothered with my kids all week long, and I think I deserve a oh, brother. You know, after a while, you forget you're going to hear God's word, and all you hear about is what they've been going through all week. And I want to stay in a hotel, and I don't want a bunch of people in the room with me. <laughs> I thought to myself, "Oh my, yeah, yeah, yeah." So, <laughs> so when you talk about visitation, hospitality, whatever, get beyond who's your roommate, where are you going to stay, where are you going to sleep, where are you going to be, and get to why are you there. <laughs> if you can focus on why you're there, it doesn't matter what your room is like, who your roommate is, all this crazy stuff. So I really found out a lot about people, a lot about Christian people. I found out that many times... You know, if somebody can get away from home, it's a big deal to them, you know, and they're like, oh, boy, this is like going to Hawaii or something. You know, you want the grandest room in the grandest place and you don't really focus on the purpose for why you're there. And so I kind of realize why, say, like if you go on some properties that are uh, owned by, say, Catholics who take retreats seriously. You know, there's everybody's got their own little bed in their room, very Spartan accommodations, just because the main focus is not comfortable accommodations. The focus is the purpose why you're there, you know, to focus on God, to be close to the Lord, to understand that you're there to hear from God. And so I just believe that in in understanding God and visitation, you have to set aside these distractions in your mind you know this, what kind of room is it is it plush is it not plush what are the meals like how many we get is there room service you know that kind of stuff and and so if we can focus on the main issue that is that God is here to do us good we've been away from him long enough we need divine oversight 
you ever feel like you're you're not really sure where you are in God if you're going forward if you're going back if you're here if you're there you need these visitations we need these divine appointments and oversight in God where he can come in and inspect everything and straighten it out this isn't productive in your life you need to stop doing that you need to focus more on doing something over here because that's where I want you to be and that's where your harvest is and that's where I want you to focus that God will remind you some things and say, remember when so-and-so told you about this and that and you thought it was not important? Well, that's what's holding up your blessing. Correcting that, you can get there, you see. And so these these visitations are times that are necessary for God to reinforce direction. He has to reinforce purpose. He reinforces the proper expenditure of your time. So that you're not wasting time and you're not focused on something that's not uh, within the the limits of what he wants you to spend your time on. So these things are, are good. They're good. And we need to make the most of them. And the more comfortable you can make yourself anticipating God, the easier it's going to be and the more you're going to get out of it. The better at time it's going to be for you. You're not some he's not looking for you to do you bad. He's looking for you to do you good. Uh is a blessing in it for you, just like Mephibosheth had coming to him. He had no idea that he would live in the manner that he lived the rest of his life. He even had an income. He wasn't just you know, it's one thing to sit at the king's table, but then it's something else too to be able to have an inheritance outside of what's just provided for you. And so he was able to have all of that opened up to him because he allowed himself to receive the visitation that King David wanted to make in his life. So in Luke chapter 19 again, this is our scripture, and I'll start where it, it talks about Jesus coming into Jerusalem the time was getting near for him to be crucified and this is why he's returning to Jerusalem and so uh, he comes in on a colt a borrowed colt they said the Lord had need of him verse 37 oh come on Marcia now don't do that (laughs) worship is over I think (laughs) All right, it's okay. I thought you may be having a God moment right there. Okay, you good? Praise the Lord. It's a crime against somebody. What'd you do to her, Joanne? I saw you. Can we arrest somebody? Can we arrest somebody? Praise the Lord. It's Marcy is fine. So anyhow, <clears throat> don't tell me that was a visitation because you're the only one. verse 37 it says when he was come near even now at the descent of the mount of olives the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise god with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen saying blessed be the king that comes in the name of the lord peace in heaven and glory in the highest And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke your disciples (laughs) for calling him a king. Tell them to shut up. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Hmm? 
This is like the church, you know, the dead church where somebody comes in, say a visitor comes in, and the poor little preachers preach, and he's been preaching these dead people for years. You know, sometimes your your audience can be a, a hindrance to you and not a help. And some poor soul who just really wants God sits there and says, Amen. Everybody, shh, you know. <laughs> Or or you bring somebody in, some some odd person drops in for some reason and they play decent worship music and somebody wants to lift their hand, somebody runs and pushes it down. (laughs) That's this kind of place. He said, uh, hold hold your peace. (laughs) So so, uh, in verse 40, he answered and said to them, I tell you, if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. The stones would cry out. Why? Creation groans. Anticipating the manifestation of the sons of God. Here the son of God is about to manifest his glory. As he dies for the sins of the world. So what Jesus is saying. This is the highest moment you will ever know. This is the highest moment you would ever know. Could you imagine? Somebody being so dumb to what God's doing that they don't recognize this is. Why is it the highest moment? Because this is the moment that Jesus has been waiting for. This is why the Son of God is manifest to totally destroy the works of the devil. Where does he do it? At Calvary. As he walked the earth and performed miracles, these were merely samples of his glory. This wasn't the fullness of it. Not by any stretch of the imagination. But it sure was a whole lot more than any of them had ever seen. So the Pharisees who just want control over everything. They don't want God. They want what he has. They want the religious system. They want the temple with the sacrifices and the treasury. And the long robes and the positions and the, the words that, and the status, that's what they want. They don't want God. And when they see somebody who is anointed and just wants to serve, just wants to do what God wants them to do, it disturbs them greatly. Well, make the devil mad, keep serving God. Serve him out loud. Serve him with everything you've got. If the devil don't like you giving fifteen dollars, give fifty. You got me. If he don't like you giving fifty, give a hundred. If he don't like you giving that, give more. You got me. Just keep doing what you're doing, and do it loud so he can see it and shut up the next time. But in verse forty-one, when he was come near, he beheld a city and wept over it. He wept over the city, saying. If you had known, even you, at least in this your day, the things which belong unto your peace. said, the things that would make you whole, the things that would make you saved, the things that would make you sound in your mind, in your heart, your expectation. If you had known that I came to bring all of these things to you. This is the thing we have to understand that God comes to bring all of these things to us personally. Things that belong to our health, to our wealth, to our wholeness, to our soundness of mind. 
things that belong to our the strength of our spirit man. The courage that he could put in your heart. The strength he can put in your spirit. All of those things. <clears throat> I was reading a, a, a book that, that talked about some little, you know, things that, that people, encounters people had with, with God. You know, I, periodically I go pick it up and read them again. But um, this person that had compiled it had stories of probably about 15 or 20 people in there that had extraordinary encounters with God, you know, which we can look at as being visitations of times of divine oversight where God just came in and helped their whole situation. And and this one was about Martin Luther King Jr. And this was early in his his, uh, position as the overseer of what we call the civil rights movement but it was really just a group of local people who had gotten together because there was uh they were getting were getting the service they were getting from the city and that kind of thing and so as they began to make demands from the city to desegregate the buses they had a boycott of the bus system there where when they stopped riding the buses i mean there was just no revenue coming in at all Understand this, that when you oppress people, poverty comes upon you quickly. You got me? You'll you'll never prosper when you have rules and regulations that are not fair in God's eyes. Part of the resurgence that we've seen in the South, say, in the last last 30 or 40 years have come as a direct result of desegregation laws. Where companies started to move there because it was less expensive to operate, plus their people could live peacefully. Nobody wanted to move to the South because they didn't want to be bothered with all the nonsense that came with it. You know, if you had good people that were uh, African-American or Hispanic or, or any kind of ethnic other than white, you had a hard time if you moved them down there. So you companies just didn't go down there because of all the collateral nonsense that went with it. And so he was sitting, he said he was sitting um, at his kitchen table one night and he was reading through his Bible and he said that his mind was was you know in turmoil because he had gotten so many death threats and he was fearful for his wife and for his children and for all of these different things and and he wasn't sure what he needed to do he didn't want to disappoint the people he didn't feel he could go on and he said suddenly there came upon him the presence of God he said it just washed over him like a, a a river he said a, a river of peace just flooded over him and he said from that day forward he was not fearful anymore he just took courage and took heart so in these visitations god knows exactly what we need folks see it's divine oversight to bring help to bring assistance to bring relief to relieve us from what would hinder us from going forward in God so then Jesus as the bishop of our souls comes to visit he came to visit Dr. King that's why he's called the bishop of our souls 
direct him to oversee the trouble and the turmoil in your mind. And he sorts it out and he sets it right. And it's a permanent impartation. It's not just a happy feeling. And then when you get out and you, you go again, you're the same fearful again. This is eternal impartation that comes. It's, you know, it's there to stay. Never to trouble you anymore. And so these are the things that, that we need. You know, we need God to come in in these times that, that we have these visitations. And whatever he wants to bring, he knows what we need. He brings what we need. He knows what we need. Sometimes it's not what you think you need. But when he leaves, you you will have known that he has done something that has been helpful to you. So... He wept over the city of Jerusalem, saying, If you had known even you, at least in this thy day, this was your day. And I was bringing things that belong to your peace, that are for your peace, for your wholeness. Nothing missing, nothing broken. To give you what the enemy stolen from you. What have you been waiting for? This is what you've been waiting for. He says, But now... They are hid from your eyes. So here we get a sense that God will will do this for us, but he's not going to wait forever to do it. Now three years they had of Jesus' ministry, and they fought it for three years. Be careful the people you resist, you know, if they're God's people. I mean, you know, maybe what they have is not what you need right now. But don't find yourself fighting. You know, you you don't have to take up arms against anybody. You can just let them do what they do and you go do what you do. Huh? Because you don't want to be fighting against God at some point. See? This this adversarial thing just has to stop. We don't have to be enemies with people just because we believe a little differently or they believe a little differently. So he says, if you had known the things that belong to your peace, but now they are hid from your eyes, for the day shall come upon you. See, there's God comes with the intent of blessing, but then there's a penalty for not receiving. See, this is no game. See, this is where you take the, the nonsense out of it. This is God. It's not, you know, your husband or your wife or you know, even though they deserve respect, but you know how people are. They just don't want to listen to certain people. Certain times people don't want to listen to the pastor. Or don't want to listen to a spiritual people that God's assigned to them. But see, this is different. You can go on. You can ignore man. And, you know, you think, well, you know, the world didn't, the ground didn't open up and swallow me up. And, you know, I've been doing okay. You know, why we want to just do okay, I don't understand. But, you know, this is sometimes how we measure whether or not it's serious. But when God comes to visit you, when God comes to help you and he brings something and you don't pay attention, then there's a penalty for not, you know, for wasting his time. You accepted Christ, you, you have a covenant with him, yet you haven't done anything that the covenant requires. 
And so he says, For the day shall come upon you that your enemies shall cast a trench about you and compass you round and keep you in on every side. And shall lay thee even with the ground and your children within you. They shall not leave in you one stone upon another because you knew not the time of your visitation. It's a heavy penalty for not respecting what God wants to do in your life, not respecting that he's near in order to do this. Suppose Dr. King had not responded appropriately to God. Suppose he had not sought God in the time of his fear. Suppose he had not sought him. God would have brought deliverance for some from someplace else even though he, he died, but he had accomplished everything that God had sent him to do. You see, could have lived longer, but he had accomplished everything. In the end, he said that he knew he was going to die. He knew that he was not going to live beyond the level of having gotten done what God wanted him to get done. That's how he saw his life. And so <clears throat> these things are important to understand, folks, that there are some crucial. We live in a hostile world. We have enemies. The devil's our enemy. And God is our friend. And if we will understand that and respect when God wants to visit us and what he wants to do in those visitations, then we won't suffer the penalty like Israel did. So this is a serious thing. It is serious to stay open and attentive to what God is doing, to cooperate with him in the big things and the small things. We know that there were some, uh, some in the Jewish faith that did believe God. The disciples believed him. At least 12 out of the 11 believed and followed. And so they received in the day of their visitation. So the day of their visitation happened to, to last for, I would say, if, if you just count the ministry of Jesus at least three years. But if you count the life of Jesus, more than 30 years. So there was a 30-year, 33-year visitation that started with the announcement of the birth of Jesus. And so there was ample time. Think about it. If God preached a message for 30 years, if anybody don't get it, they're just not wanting to. You know what I'm saying? But there, look at now. Look though at some of the denominations. See the people who are not spirit filled. How long have we had the message of Pentecost for this last generation? We've had it over a hundred years, more than that even. And but there are some denominations who still don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. So they will have to receive judgment for resisting their visitation. See, your visitation can come, can come through the TV. It can come through uh, somebody, say, people who are crying out for more of God. That's always a sign. You know, they get that thirst, spiritual thirst on them. And they cry out for more of God. And God sends the answer, but they don't, it don't look like the people in their church and it's not happening in where they go to worship and all of that. And then they, they mark it off as not being from God based on what it looks for the carnal things, what it looks like, 
uh, how it presents itself, is it male or female, you know, all that stuff comes into a person's brain. And they will decide that it's not God because it's not carnally the way they want it to be. Even though God God never comes in a carnal package. It's always by the Spirit. It was the same thing with Jesus. There are some people who knew him from birth that didn't receive that he was the Messiah. Why? Because he was always the carpenter's son. He was always that, that kid that... Well, you know what they say now. They say that his mother was pregnant before they got married. Remember? huh? And so sometimes historical knowledge can rob us of having the proper response in the day of visitation. They couldn't get past. Even though he was anointed, God was using him. They couldn't get past his past. Hmm? There's some people who are like that. You know, they just can't get past a person's past. Even though that past is forgiven and God is now using them, they can't get past that. And so many times we find that God will just whoop. Like Brother Old Robert says, there are miracles coming toward us all the time. And passing us by. Because we're not understanding the day of our visitation. So so there were disciples that believed on the Lord. There were many of them. A great prophet, they said, has risen up among us. And God has visited his people. So God visits us or visits people through servants. Jesus was the servant through whom the visitation was made to the nation of Israel. Now many people, you know, in this day and age, ever since they've heard about these great revivals, they think God's just going to swoop in in the wind. But I can tell you if he swooped in like that, there would be so many more people that missed him. And that's why he uses people. So that they can talk and they can relate and they can preach and they can speak. And then that gets your attention rather than you having to feel a presence somewhere and wonder if it's God or not. So even if he swooped in, most people would miss it anyway. That's why he comes with skin on. Because we, you know, we're made in God's image and like it or not, we tend to trust each other more than we trust just a feeling. We can relate to that a lot more than we can a feeling. But then when the person comes, we don't like the way they dress, the way they talk, the way they look. You know, I was expecting somebody with a lot of titles and a lot of, you know, I wasn't expecting. Well, what are you? Are you a, uh, who's your covering? Um, See, that's how you miss the day of your visitation by doing the, the Pharisee thing. You know, the Inquisition. Pharisees are known by their questions. You look in the Bible. They questioned him. They asked him. It's always focusing more on the credentials of the package rather than the gift the package brings. You know, the the Jews that received Jesus, you can count on your hand. For the most part, you know, the the notable 
miracles and things that he did, he did among sinners. The Bible says he came to his own, but his own received him not. Huh? So there were many blinded by their religion, which they weren't participating in anyway. You know, it's I mean, go to the temple here and there, make a sacrifice here and there. You know, it's just like so many people do, you know, the the Easter lilies and the poinsettias. You know, they come out on Christmas and Easter and and go hide the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. And so it's amazing, though, how many churches roll out the red carpet for those days, you know, just because they, you know, and they serve a milk, a watered down message. You know, we got a lot of, got a lot of sinners in there today. We, that's the day to get real strong. If all the churches could make up their minds to give a gospel message on the day when they have a lot of visitors, got me? They come in for a reason. Huh? So you give them what God has every time they come in. See, that was the key to Jesus' success. He gave them what the Father had for them every time he preached. He never had a sinner-friendly sermon. Never. never. He never paid attention to who was out there, what their background was, where they came from. He gave the same message over and over again. So he wept because people missed their visitation. And I think he does the same thing now. I think it upsets him when people don't use their faith. When people don't expect him, when they don't let him minister. I remember praying for someone that, that you know, had been recently saved. And, and I saw, <clears throat> this, they had been saved for a while, you know, and, and um, weren't really, it wasn't catching on, you know, like, how we were when we first got saved, everything, we all talk about God all the time, and you know, all that, really excited about it. It's the, you know, it's like being married, you know, married people, you know, they want to try that word out. My husband, you know, every other word, husband, 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 and wife, 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 wife. And six or seven years down the road, is ball and chain, where she at, my old lady. <laughs> you know how it goes. And all the married people say, praise our Lord. <laughs> but it's that the honeymoon factor, you know, where you're very excited about the Lord and the things of God and, you know, that kind of thing. God wants to bring that to us all the time, you know, that type of visitation mentality so that we can stay excited about him. Uh, but, you know, throughout the years, it, it kind of gets to be routine. And that's why he comes to visit on us again, you know, so that we can get refreshed in the excitement of that relationship that we have with him. So, but many of the, many of the Jewish people missed it. Many did. And so the visitation came to those people who were anticipating him, were listening it wasn't a whole lot of anything that they had to do because most of them got blessed off the crowd mentality. You know, just what the buzz was, was about Jesus. 
You know, what did he do? What's he preaching about? Oh, he's, he's talking about a kingdom? This is something new. We haven't heard anything like this. Just just the buzz, you know, you can live off of that. And so as, as it was talked about, it caught on. And people heard, and they wanted to, to see more. They wanted to experience these things. And the closer they got to him, the more they experienced of what he had for them. They received the visitation that was prepared for the Jewish nation. And that's what you got to know about God. His visits are never in vain. Somebody's going to receive what he has. If you don't get it, somebody else will. And he'll honor whoever it is that will listen and who will receive. So he comes with these divine divine appointments they heard and they spoke that he had visited a great prophet had visited them that's that's what we need to do you notice that sometimes now about the prophet's ministry you know people just you hear little foot beats you know they're coming everybody's coming to see you know and they'll come and they'll see and observe for a while and after the fanfare is over everybody goes back to their normal routine again you know they sneaked out of the church mold to come and see prophet so-and-so you know and see what they were talking about and then if if they receive something you know that's wonderful but if they don't they just go back to their normal routine after the visit's over and don't know what it was about (laughs) don't know if they got anything that's the multitude and then there are people who are singled out for their blessing they come, they, they zero in, they hear something, they focus on what's what's there, you know. We used to get the same thing when, uh, you know, more Cirillo, we went to his meetings for a long time. And, you know, you're going there because it's a visitation from God. It's been announced, so you have to go to the place of meeting so that you can meet the Lord who's ministering through his servant. And so once you've received what God has, then the visitation for you is over. You know, it's not like you just run in and you're curious and you don't know what's going on. But you do sit and do you listen and you incline your ear and you receive what God has for you through that servant. So these visitations vary. They vary in length. They vary in intensity. They come through people very often. If you have a personal relationship with God, they can be personal times of visitation where God will begin to speak to you. He will begin to give you understanding certain things. Sometimes these times of personal visitation will come through adversity. They'll come through adverse circumstances. Sometimes there's a uh, disappointment or loss. Sometimes a death, a death in the family. Sometimes a sickness. It's a common time when God visits people. You know, you have times where you're seeking him and, you know, just a scripture won't do. You got me? Uh, There will be a season of him uh, meeting with you and speaking to you. Uh, Sometimes, uh, you know, if you shut yourself up with your Bible until the symptoms go, that's a visitation, you see. So these are appointments that we have where you need that divine oversight so that your life can be sorted out 
and he can leave divine order and he can bring relief to your life. These are these are the visitations. Sometimes if we have a, a financial crisis, you know, these are times of visitation where, where God can't just give you a word and send you on your way. He has to stay there for a while and work with you, get you to understand things, help you, and continue to handhold, you know, that kind of thing so that you can make it through uh, and you can come out with your... So never resist these times of visitation from God. He wants to help you. You know, he really does. Personal visitation can also include uh, a human visitation. You know, sometimes God may have you pray more frequently with the pastor, pray, pray more frequently so that you can get through these difficult times. You need visitation so that you can get relief from oppression and get over into the realm of blessing where he wants you to get. So, and Jesus wept over Jerusalem because they missed it. You don't want to miss it. You don't want him weeping over you. You want him to be able to help you, give you oversight, give you direction, correction, and encouragement. Jerusalem was warned because it was uh, uh, judged because they had been warned. And they had been given the best that God had to offer. They had been given the word of God for all of those years to hold on to. That Messiah was coming. They had a Passover meal every year to commemorate anticipation of, of his visit. And so many of them, you know, all the years Jesus was alive, they were having Passover, what they called the Seder, that uh, Passover meal. And they left the seat empty where the cup was, where Messiah was to come and sit. And he had all those Passovers there, you know, and they never noticed. I often wonder if he sat in the seat when they had him at his house. <laughs> I think he did at the Last Supper when he cut the covenant. I'm pretty sure that was his seat. He sat in that one then. Because he cut it with his disciples, so it was a little different. It wasn't a family seder this time. It was with his disciples. So it's it's kind of interesting that all of these things were said about Jesus, pointed to him. He was there to lead man away from sin and toward righteousness, opening the door for us to have everything that we needed. And so they paid no attention. In fact, they fought him most of the time. And would be responsible for his death. And so there was room there too, to be you know, sorrowful for them. Because they didn't know the time of their visitation. Understand visitation will always do you good. Don't be afraid of God's words. Through his servants. Through himself, through the Bible, however he speaks to you, always, always pay attention. <clears throat> David said, and he wrote in the Psalms, oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation day and night. Even the bad stuff, you know, the stuff that corrects you and shows you your shortcomings. He loved all of it. And he didn't have as good a covenant as we have. 
you know and so it it was it was what he craved and what he longed for because he loved God so visitation will always point you to where your heart is do you love him or don't you and that will that will show up in how you feel about his word about his visitation about those things so he answers in these visits oftentimes visitation is a result of your request so many times we make the request and we want God to show up right then and right there and it's sometimes months or even years later where he does come in response and then we're off doing something else huh? oh is that what you're here for I thought you wasn't coming for that. It's been so long. Huh? Yeah. We want to complain. Huh? But he he will come. He comes at the appropriate time. He comes at the appropriate time. Hopefully he's not weeping over any of us. We still can receive the visitation of the Lord. So many people who are outside of God's covenant receive visitation the woman at the well the woman with the issue of blood even though she was a daughter of abraham it's thought we know the woman who was bowed over who they they found in the synagogue joseph of arimathea was a jew he received visitation jairus who was one of the uh, principal ministers there in the temple received people who didn't most of the Pharisees did not. The Apostle Paul was, was one of them. He fought against the church. He was blinded. All of the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, didn't because they put him to death. So these are all people who were versed in the word and versed in scripture. But they didn't recognize the author of the words that they supposedly taught and cherished. That's why Jesus gave such stern rebukes to him. Are you a teacher in Israel and you don't know this? (laughs) You know? (laughs) Absolutely. That was his right to do it because he was a master. Amen? And so he brought correction to them hoping that they would open. See, when correction comes, it's because whoever's correcting you hopes that it will open your eyes to see the truth. Hmm? It's not to make you feel stupid. You feel that way anyway. They're trying to get stupid off of you by giving you understanding and enlightenment. It's a mercy thing. So these visitations are oftentimes an answer to prayers and requests that we have. The people who receive kind of put themselves in a position to receive and this is important because receiving really means that you have opened your heart to the answer and that's your main focus so really your intent matches God's intent there has to be a, 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 a an agreement of intent there so God is there to answer that question and you are seeking an answer so you're alert and you're awake to the answer and he is bringing it 
So it's like a, a key that fits in a lock in a door. That door is the door to your heart where the the need is. And God is coming with a key that fits exactly what that need would be. But you got to let him in, you know, to know whether it's going to fit or not, you know. So this is the problem that people have. Very often they'll shut down to the truth, you know, just shut your ears to it. And, you know, here she goes again talking about that, you know, that you know how our minds do. And so we don't want that penetration to come so that we, you know, we don't know if we trust that or not. You know, I thought. You know, I thought nobody knew about that but me. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. And so we don't want God in to certain areas. And so this is why Israel just, pfft, you know, they didn't think they needed that. Well, if you think you're, you're God walking the earth because you're the only ones that know the living God. Oh, you <laughs> Moses is our father and <laughs> we got the, the scripture, we got the law. <laughs> See? So if you're full and not hungry, you won't know. See? So full people keep the door closed because they're not looking for bread. They're not looking for food. And so once once that door is shut, then God has to pass over you. You can't come, you know, just tear the door down. It's to be invited in. No, it's a hospitality thing. Have you made room for him? Have you made him feel comfortable? Have you invited him in? And this goes beyond worship. You know, sometimes our worship is mostly for us. Because of the feeling it brings us. We still worship on a feeling level many times and not on a spiritual level. Now sometimes in worship, if you'll release in your spirit to God, you'll get more than a feeling. You'll be changed. You know, it's it's really kind of sad we spend time in worship and, and get out and go be stupid again. You know, not three minutes later. So we haven't really been in the place where that change can take place but you can be changed in a worship experience definitely be changed so when we miss it it's because we're satisfied we don't want anything that's going to move us off of where we've been haughtiness will also cause us to miss the day of our visitation we just think that we can solve all our problems ourselves and we don't need you know we don't need any help you know till next financial crisis comes and then we <laughs> we all nervous you know I mean God can change you to the point where when these things come up you're not moved you know I mean it's not saying you won't have any if you get a visitation from God you'll never have another problem in the world that's not true but he can change you. He can impart something to you in such a way that you're not even moved by it. You know, if it comes. Sometimes we we have things that are crises because we still have cares in that area. It's got to be delivered from your cares. The carnal will always miss visitation. People who don't like correction. They don't think God or his servants are supposed to correct them. 
no relationship with God and don't want intimate contact with God. And those who are minding the things of the world. To them, God is there to help them survive in the world. That's all they're interested in. I can remember when I was, you know, married, kind of newly married, my husband would always get, you know, travel brochures and so how would you like to go this place and that place and the other place? And I didn't ever cross my mind to to do that myself. But as his wife, I shared in that. That was an interest that he had mostly. He brought that into the relationship and we shared it. And I enjoyed myself, you know, when we would travel and so forth and so on. And so, and, and I think it really helped me to, to get myself in the mind of not being so stuck in a routine at home because I have to travel now to work for God. So these things have a purpose, but if I had fought that and I don't want to go, you know, that kind of stuff, you, you know, you don't grow and you don't experience the fullness of life that God God has for you. So very often the things that he's preparing us for will have to come through another person who can kind of sell us on the idea. You got me of of what's expected and and you know do something different as a part of your relationship with me. So relationship is key in helping us to understand how to get the most out of these visitations from God. You know, it's very important. When we look to God for things, and you have to be open to what he might tell you that's coming, what he might tell you to do, that daily contact and sometimes relating to him because you love him will cause you to do some things you never thought you would do before. You got me? You put in some situations where, you know, oh, I never thought I would like this. And, you know, here I am on a roller coaster in Disney World, you know, and <laughs> how'd I get here? But I'm having fun, you know what I'm saying? So so this is this is how it happens. You know, many times God uses a human element to sell us on an idea that he has for us. So those things are important, you know. Very important. How are we doing time time wise, Miss Juana? Oh, okay. All right. In Matthew twenty five, you'll turn there. I'm talking about preparing for his coming. How to stay alert and awake to know the visitation. You don't want to miss it. Because it's it's important. It's what we live for. And you can have deposits in your life and <coughs> changes to come into your life that will never come again. The opportunity will never come again. So you want to be prepared. In uh, Matthew 25, and uh, verse 1 says, then shall, the, then shall the kingdom of heaven be like unto, unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Now the the wedding the wedding festivity or the the wedding feast was extremely important 
in the nation of Israel because it was part of their religious tradition as well as, you know, a celebration. You know, Western culture is all about the the spread and the you know, who the DJ is and how big the cake is and all that kind of stuff. But in Israel it was an honor, number one, to be in the bridal party. It was an honor because the that was how you were prepared, you know, every step you got getting closer and closer to being the bride or the bridegroom, you were being prepared for your own. You got me? And so it was an honor to be in those positions. It said five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go you out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us of your oil, our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go you to them that sell and buy it for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. They that were ready went in with him unto the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterwards came also other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Truly I say to you, I know you not. I know you not. Now, if something's not important enough for you to be prepared for it, it's because you don't know the person that you're waiting for. You have to have some understanding of who God is to even anticipate a visitation from him and expect it. So the wise virgins didn't care how much trouble they had to go through to prepare themselves for the coming of the bridegroom they just felt it was important it was an honor whenever he comes I'm cool whatever he wants to do it's cool with me I'm all set you know you only have to tell me one time that God is good you know I don't change my mind about that so anything anytime he wants me to go somewhere anytime he wants me to do something I'm cool with it I don't have to pray about it. I don't have to think twice. I don't have to start doing something and decide I don't like it and quit doing it. That's at least half the people do that. See, half will be faithful and half will be iffy. And God wants us all to be faithful and not iffy. Now think about it. Think about the level of commitment different people have to different things. You know, people who are committed are committed 100%. And then people who are iffy, sometimes they'll come, sometimes they won't. They got an excuse. I got to work. I got to this. I got to that. It's always something. And so if if iffy is in you, it's going to be in you all the way. If commitment's in you, it's going to be in you all the way. See, these these five wise virgins were prepared at all times. They kept they they had lamps. Now these were just lamps that you use for household use. They weren't special for anything. 
but the the wicks were trimmed. That means that once they lit a, lit a, lit it and and got a light to it, and some of it burned down. If you just never trimmed it and you didn't have fresh wick, you couldn't relight it again. So they kept the nonsense, so to speak, out of their lives. You know, this I don't have anything more important to to do than what God's given me to do. That's trimming your wick. Keep the shenanigans out. Keep the nonsense out. Keep the excuse making out. Keep the goofiness out. Keep the carnality out. I only want to do certain things and don't want to do certain other things. Trimming your wick. Keep the stuff that's already slated for the fire. It's already been burned. You got me? The old life. Things that used to satisfy you in the flesh. Things that you used to think were so important. That's trimming your wick. Get that out of your life. It's not important anymore. What's important is waiting for him to come whenever he comes. It's the day of your visitation. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He's worthy. So what was that anyway? Oh, unplug the lamp, okay. Honey, yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah, make sure that's unplugged. So when you when you know the day of your visitation, you know that he's drawing near, he's already told you. You're invited. I'm gonna come by. You just don't know the time or the hour, but stay ready. Pray in the spirit. Keep yourself available. Keep yourself, you know, expecting me to do everything that I do. And and be ready to move when I tell you to move. Uh, just just be that way. And so when, when we understand and we've been given an instruction and we know that the bridegroom can come at any time, then you don't have to hurry real fast when I, you know, Get your lights, <laughs> you know, to say nothing about oil in the lamp. These are people that, that don't care about the next day, people who don't prepare very well. They just don't think it's important to stay prepared for God, stay anticipating what God might do. So he says, watch therefore. In other words, watch over your souls. Keep your oil in your lamp. Keep yourself attuned in the spirit. If God tells you to pray and pray in the spirit and worship him, then do that. You know, put yourself aside. Go pray in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourself fit in the spirit because he says you don't know the day or the hour when he's going to come. This is this is visitation. Where God wants to sort out and refine. There's a sorting out and a refinement here. So it's a different purpose to this visit than if he comes to you in response to a prayer or or anything like that. You know, there are times when he comes to sort out and refine. He'll start sorting out people based on how many want me. Do they want me? In, in a sacrificial way 
or they just want to, you know, want me to pay their bills and give them things, and after that they're done. It's really kind of a shallow life when you think about it, because once you get beyond, you know, once you know God's going to take care of you, where do you go after that? You know, what's what's to the relationship after that? Well, after that, they're serving him. Once you don't have to worry about yourself anymore, then you're freed up to serve God 100%. It's amazing how many people can look forward. Oh, I'll be glad when I'm retired. I don't have this job anymore. I can do more for God. You know, it's always Christians always, oh, I'll be glad when this happens. I'll do more for God. And they're not going to do anything. They're really not. Because if you want to do something for God, you do it now. Huh? What are you waiting on? He, you don't have to wait to get freed up. You can do do more now. God's not the kind of... You think people are going to hell less often because you're working? They're going to hell at the same rate they go whether you're retired or not retired. So, you know, let's get to getting if you're going to do something for God. And so this is the about keeping your oil, your lamp filled. People who have a filled filled lamp know they have enough light in them to understand, you know, today is the day when I need to give my all to God. I don't need to be waiting for a specific time. But the parable about the virgins is that everybody wants to be with the Lord. That was the whole gist of it. We're all waiting for an opportunity to spend time with him Huh? In the celebration. And those who were weary of waiting for the time of celebration just did anything. And then the ones who were still in there, there is a place where you could still want God in your heart. You can still want to spend time with him. You can still anticipate a good time of fellowship with the Lord. There is. You don't have to shut yourself down to it. You can understand that you can have this at any time. So this is the whole gist of the parable, that this was going to be an important meeting with God. You know, save people who are always praying for revival. You know, we need revival, blah, 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 blah. And many of the same people who pray about it and talk about it don't participate in it because they're satisfied just talking about it. Just don't really want that time with God. Many people are afraid of giving God freedom in their lives. They're afraid of the demand it might put on them. Which, you know, God probably is just as scared to tell you what he wants you to do. You know, blow your little mind. So the wise versus the foolish. You know, the wise always keep themselves sanctified, set apart, wicks trimmed. Get the nonsense out of your life. Visitation comes either in mercy or in judgment. The mercy visit usually comes first because God always warns. He never comes and cuts people off without giving them an opportunity to repent and turn toward him. You see it in, in uh, <clears throat> Jonah preaching at uh, at Nineveh. God did not judge that nation. Until they had an opportunity to repent. He didn't judge Israel. Until they had an opportunity to repent. So. Visitation. Of the people. Of God on people. 
comes now he visits his people but he also visits gentiles or people who are outside of a covenant with god he can visit either one the visitation of god is not limited to us he cares for the whole world during the time of joseph god visited egypt he visited them to bless them He sent a deliverer into that nation of people.